Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 18 says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. That you may wage the good warfare. Again, if it was good enough for Timothy, it's good for you and I. That's why it's written in the Word of God. Because it's God speaking to us. God wants you and I to wage the good warfare. This isn't the only place where it talks about waging war. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 18 says, Plans are established by counsel. By wise counsel, wage war. Now again, this isn't just talking about natural war. How many people know you and I are in a spiritual battle? In this life, we don't don't come against flesh and blood, but we come against what? Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And notice that we come against them. We come against them. When we're talking about waging war, that literally means to start a war, start a fight, pick a fight. Notice, be the aggressor, go after your adversary. Go after the enemy. Don't just be on the defense trying to protect yourself from Satan's attacks, Satan's assaults. No, you want, you want to be the aggressor. The best defense is a good offense. It's a good offense. We need to get aggressive and we need to come against the enemy because we're here for a purpose. It's to occupy until Jesus comes. We are to take territory for him. Jesus came and he defeated Satan. He disarmed him and overthrew his kingdom. But his little demon terrorists still occupy much of the earth and hold a lot of the people of the earth in spiritual darkness, in bondage, chains of darkness. And so you and I are here now to continue the work Jesus begun, and that is to occupy the land. Take possession of what Jesus conquered. He already conquered it. Now we just got to go in as more than conquerors and take possession of it. That's what we're here to do. We're not here to just sit back and enjoy ourselves. Now we are going to enjoy ourselves because it's a good war and it's a good fight that we're engaged in. It's a good battle. It's good, and really, it's fun. It's fun because it brings more liberty. It brings more freedom when you drive demons out, when you take territory for the kingdom of God. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is summed up in two words, or three, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, that sounds like fun. So when we're taking back territory for the kingdom of God, that means we're spreading righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so that's fun. 
That's a good time. So the Christian life is a fun life. It's a happy life. It's a joyful life. That's, that's the Christian life. So you and I are to be busy about this battle. We're not just to be sitting back waiting for God to do something for us. God has already done so much for us. He's already defeated death, hell, and the grave. He's already conquered Satan. And now he's given us the keys of authority to go in and just take possession of everything Jesus has conquered for us. It's time to take territory. It's time to get aggressive. We can't be passive. We can't be sitting back. Christianity is not a passive life. It's a very proactive life. It's an aggressive life where we're, we're on the offense. We're advancing. We're moving forward. We're not waiting for something bad to happen before we rise up and start using our faith to get out of trouble. That's how a lot of people treat faith. They treat, treat it like a spare tire in their trunk. You know, they get into trouble. You know, they get themselves a flat. And then they, oh, man, they go get the spare. They take the spare out and they pop it on there. And Oh, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. I thank you, Lord, for your promises. And they get in faith about the promises of God. Hallelujah. And they just go die, driving down the road. And as soon as they can, man, they get that tire repaired. And uh, they, they take that, they get that tire repaired, and they get, that, they get that faith spared off there just as fast. As soon as they get that repair, they put that other tire back on there, take their faith, just put it back in the trunk of the car, and put it underneath everything, and just screw it down really good, and just shut the trunk. And that's where their faith is until the next trial, the next test, the next problem arises. That's not how we're to be living by faith. Are you listening to me? No, 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 no. We all four tires... Trusting in God, trusting in God, trusting in God, trusting in God. We got even a gauge in our car. It tells us when the air is low and we go in, we get in there and praise God. Hallelujah. Start praying in the Holy Spirit and just pump up the tires. Keep the tires pumped up. Hallelujah. Not only is faith our four tires, but faith is the fuel that keeps the machine running. It keeps our life going. I mean, we're trusting God through and through all the time. The just shall live by their faith. It's something we live by 24-7. And so if you're living by faith 24-7, that means you are engaged in a battle 24-7 because faith fights. Faith fights. Fight the good fight of faith. Wage the good warfare. We are in a fight constantly if we're in faith. If we're in faith and we need to be because, again, we have an adversary. We never want to forget that we have an adversary. First Peter, chapter five, verse eight. Telling Christians here, it says, Christians, be sober, be sober, be vigilant. That means watchful, Uh, pay strict attention to. Because. Your adversary, the devil. Notice, he's your adversary. He's your adversary. The devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. You know, sometimes people go through something and they think they're the only one in the world going through it. 
It's like, woe is me. Nobody's, nobody knows what have you, you know, nobody has any idea what I'm experiencing, what I'm going through. But the Bible says, no, 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 no. People are going through stuff all the time. Other Christians going through stuff all the time. But notice, he says, resist the devil. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Now, you might think, that sounds pretty defensive. That sounds pretty defensive. But if you look up the word resist, it means set one's self against. Set yourself against the devil. That's what he means when he says resist the devil. You can look it up in the original Greek. Resist the devil. Set yourself against the devil. Set yourself against him. It also means to oppose. Oppose. See, it's not, it's not, it's not hunker down, take cover until the indignation is passed. No, 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 no. It's get up and oppose the devil. Come against him. Come against him. Set yourself against him. That's what he's calling us to do. See, this is, this is living by faith. Faith never takes a vacation. There are no faith vacations. Faith itself is a vacation. Because it's a continual time of refreshing. Why? Because you're trusting in God. You don't have a care in the world. That's why he actually starts off right before saying, be sober, be vigilant. In verse 8, he says in verse 7, casting all your care upon him. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Faith doesn't have a care in the world. No, not that, not, and let me, let, me rephrase, let me finish that. Faith doesn't have a care in the world that it's carrying. Oh, it has cares, but it's not carrying the cares. It has casted all its cares. Why? Because he cares for you. Faith knows God cares for me. In other words, he's got me covered. Hallelujah. I mean, those are two of the most important things in life, the most comforting things in life to know. And that is, number one, God knows. He knows where you're at. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you have need of. Your heavenly Father knows. He don't stop there. And he cares. Hallelujah. So he knows everything you're going through. He knows everything you're dealing with. He knows, he knows what's upcoming, you know, in the future. He knows all these, and he cares for you. Praise God. I mean, we got it made. We got almighty, that's all-powerful, all-knowing God, knowing everything we have need of, everything that we want, he knows, and he cares for us. So that we can take all our cares, all our anxieties, all our fears, all our worries, and just roll them over onto him and trust in the Lord. Hallelujah. So that's why it's like a vacation. You know, you think about being on a vacation, you just want to disconnect everything, right? You just leave everybody, leave everything, turn everything off, and you just go away. You just go away somewhere nice, you know, stick your fan, feet in the sand, and, and, just, and just forget about it all. Just relax. Don't have a worry in the world for maybe a few days. Right? It's a nice, it's a nice few days. You take a few days. Well, don't just take a few days. Take your whole life. And why don't you just retire? Retire from living by your own might and by your own power and by your own wisdom and your own strength. Why don't you just retire from yourself? 
That's a good thing. Just retire from... Why don't we even go even further and just die? Why don't we just... Why don't we just die so it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives his life in and through us. Amen? That's pretty good. Just rest, relax. All your cares are casted on him. I mean, it is a continual vacation when you're in faith, but we don't take any faith vacations. In other words, we don't vacation from our faith. We never lay our faith aside. I mean, people do it all the time, but we're learning. You can't afford to do that. I said, you can't afford to do it. Because if you're not taking territory, the enemy is. Because the enemy is an aggressor. He's an aggressor. But we need to be, we need to out-aggressor him. Right? Don't look that up in the dictionary. But we need to out-aggressor him. We need to outdo him. I said, we need to outdo him. You know, we've talked about it before. Jesus said that the devil comes immediately to steal the word that's sown in a person's heart. You know? He comes when? He comes to me. I mean, he wants the word. I mean, he, he really wants the word tonight. He's got an appetite for the word. He's, he's like a roaring, hungry lion. He wants the word. He wants to devour the word. Comes immediately to steal it. Well, bless God. We come immediately to get it, to take hold of it, to get it in our heart and put it to practice in our life. That's why I love the gospel of Mark. You know, you ever read over there in Mark? And uh, it uses that word immediately, constantly. Mark, I mean, first chapter. I mean, forget about the baby in the manger, not with Mark. I mean, it just jumps, it just jumps right into it. You know, oh man. So Jesus, you know, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, verse 12. And immediately, the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. So Jesus, he gets baptized in the Holy Spirit, and immediately, the Spirit of God leads him into the wilderness. And there he goes. You know, he's off and running. And uh, verse 20. And immediately, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. Talking about his disciples. Verse 21. Then they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught and they were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And I mean, it just goes on and on. I mean, you just read in here and the word immediately just constantly will keep, just keep jumping out at you. Uh, I mean, here's another one just jumped out. Chapter 2. Uh, verse 1, and again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. Now, that's very interesting. So Jesus, he, everything he did, he did immediately. I mean, there's no doubting. In other words, there's no hesitating. There was no uncertainty. Jesus knew. He knew what the will of the Father was. He knew what the Spirit was leading him to do, and he did it immediately. And then notice, there are those that immediately gathered together to hear the Word of God from Jesus. And and that's why you see healings and miracles on the level that they happened throughout Jesus' ministry. Because many of the people that received from him, if you do a study on it, they moved immediately to get the Word from Jesus and to act upon his word. In other words, they were using their faith. They didn't just get healed and delivered because of Jesus. They got healed and delivered because of their faith in Jesus. 
That's why Jesus said, you know, at different times to people that needed healing, he said, according to your faith, let it be done unto you. So they came to him believing, and many of them were very radical in how they stepped out and obeyed the word of God. I mean, they would travel, they didn't have nice air-conditioned vehicles and nice air, I mean, some of these people walked for miles, and some of these people, they were sick. Who likes to take a walk when they're sick? You want to just lie down. And there were people that were bedfast, and those people were carried for miles on stretchers and things to get to Jesus. But today, you know, you say, well, why don't we see the same level of miracles and healings today, you know, in the body of Christ? Well, do you see the same level of enthusiasm? Do you see the same level of response to the word of God? You know, a lot of times, this is what Christians have to watch out for. You know, they hear the word, they hear the word, they get excited about the things of the spirit, the things of God, and then they just start cooling off. Almost like you get into this place where, yeah, I know this. Yeah, I got this. And we just start cooling off. And that's a dangerous place to be. Because that's not Christianity. There's nothing cool about Christianity. You understand? There's nothing, there's nothing cool about it. It's red hot. It's red hot. Jesus made that clear in the book of Revelation, didn't he? He said, I wish that you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spoo you out of my mouth. As he's talking to the church, he says, because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spoo you out. See, he doesn't want anything to do with lukewarm. And he'd rather you cold, but because at least there's no confusion. You're lost. Lukewarm fakes it. Lukewarm looks good. It looks like it's right with God, but it's just warm. And it's not hot. And if it's not hot, it's not heaven. If it's not hot... It's not God. Are you with me? If it's not hot, it's not God. So, so the only reason why he said, I'd rather you be cold or hot. Of course, he wants us hot, but he'd rather be cold because then there's no confusion. There's no gray area. It's just very clear. Wrong. Cold, wrong. Hot, right. No lukewarm, nothing gray. Nothing, the lines aren't blurred. It's very clear what side we're on. We're on the right side or we're on the wrong side. So Christianity is red hot. So there's no cooling off. If you're cooling off, you've taken a faith vacation. You've got to go home and open up your closet and get your faith out. (laughs) You need to get your faith back on. Amen? Of course, you don't have to go home to do it. You just got to reach inside here because that's where the faith of God is. It's on the inside of us. If you've got the Spirit of God on the inside, you've got faith inside you. Because he is the spirit of faith. You've got to pull out your faith. You've got to put on that faith. Praise God. Begin to talk the word of God. Speak the word of God. You know the word of God is called the sword of the spirit. You've got to take out your sword. Start swinging that thing. Start cutting through the air. Start cutting through the airway. Start praying in the spirit. Praying in tongues. Speaking the word of God. The sword of the spirit. Start using that thing. Start taking territory. Start declaring the truth of God's word. There's no taking, There's no taking your sword and putting it down somewhere and going out and just... Walking around with your human pocket knife. Right? No, no, no. We got the sword of the spirit, man. We got the sword of the spirit. And we're fighting. We're fighting. We're praying. We're taking terror. Even in our own life, you know, we're like a bunch of samurais. You know? You ever see these samurais? They commit hairy canary. Azumi <laughs> helped me. She's from Japan. She knows the real terminology. What is it called again when they go shakuntaha? Huh? Halakiri. 
That's, I say Harry Canary. Harry Canary. Halakani. Praise God. And that's when they take their life, you know. They get down there and they, for whatever reason, you know. They take, they take their life. They think they're doing something great. But sometimes, see, that's what we have to do. We take out the sword of the Spirit. We've got to commit harakani. You understand what I'm saying? You've got to cut at the old man. You've got to cut at the old flesh nature. You've got you to cut at those things that aren't right that you have going on in your life. You've got to take the sword. You've got to take the word of God and apply it. Thank you, Jesus. You've got to cut it out. Anybody ever tell you to cut it out? It's literal. How many people got some things they need to cut out? You know, knock it off, cut it out, right? Yeah, cut it out with the Word of God. Take the sword and cut the thing out so that you cut it out and you don't do it anymore. You knock it off. You quit. You die to it. You die to that way of living, that way of doing things. So it's time, to, it's time to cut things out. But that's getting aggressive. That's taking territory. That's taking possession of your soul. Right? We're born again. Our spirit is saved, but now we've got to take possession of our soul. Our will, our emotions needs to be completely submitted to God. We've got to cut out all self-will, opinionated, self-importance, fleshy, self-confident attitudes. <laughs> Replace it with faith in God. Replace it with faith in God. How many people are working on that? Yes. Yeah, that's something we need to be keep working on. That pride shows up and we attack it, right? Any kind of lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, we attack it. We go on the attack and we cut these things out of our life. So that's being, that's being aggressive. That's being aggressive. And by doing that, you're weakening the devil's ability to operate in your life, to influence your life. You're weakening him. It's a direct attack against him when you eliminate what is of him in your soul. When you eliminate what is of him in your soul, you're eliminating him. You're limiting him. You're attacking him. And then, of course, we're praying for others. We're speaking the word of God over others. What are we doing? Again, it's not just flesh and blood. You're setting people free. You're helping other people get liberated from the devil's influence, see? You help setting them free. And so thus, you're on the attack and you're pushing the enemy back. Glory to God. That's who we are all the time. You need this. You need the sword. You need the word. You need to fight for your own personal freedom from the enemy. So that the enemy's got no hooks in you. He's got nothing on you. Don't you like that? I just like the sound of that. Well, he's got nothing on you, like Jesus said, right? Right before going to the cross, he said, the ruler of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. I love that. Nothing. He's got nothing in me. There's no hooks in me. There's nothing for him to latch on to. There's nothing of him in me. I'm full of the Father, full of the Word. And the Father, God, has a lot to latch on to to pull me this way, take me that way, and use me however he wants to use me. That's how it was with Jesus. That's how it needs to be for you and I. Because we'd be walking in his footsteps. Walking in his footsteps. Can you say amen? amen? So we need to be vigilant. We need to be on our toes. We need to be 
aggressive, aggressive about pushing the enemy back, driving him out. Every time, remember this, every time you get into faith, you have picked a fight with the devil. Every time you get in in faith about the promises of God, you have picked a fight with the devil because faith takes back from the devil what he took from mankind in the beginning. That's what faith does. When you're laying hold of the promises of God, you're taking back what the devil has stolen from mankind. You're taking it back. Thus, you're engaging the enemy. You're waging war on the enemy. Our fight is not getting God to give us things. A lot of folks think they're fighting. I need everybody to agree with me in prayer. Let's believe God together that God's going to do this thing for me. Ah, that's not the fight. You have to get, you don't have to get, you don't have to fight to get God to do right. You don't have to fight to get God to bless you. You don't have to fight to get God to help you. He's all around you ready to help you. No, 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 no. The fight isn't in getting God to give us things, to help us. The fight is in taking out of darkness what's already ours. Taking out of the kingdom of darkness what's already ours. Because again, Jesus defeated the devil. He defeated him. And so everything that the devil is holding on to in his kingdom belongs to Jesus. And Jesus has given it to us because that's who he got it for. He got it for you and I. And so it's just a matter of taking what God has already given to us. He's already, by his stripes, you were, you were healed. So Jesus has already provided your healing from whatever kind of sickness, disease, pain, problem anybody might be facing. Jesus is already a person. He took our pain. He already took our, Bible says Matthew 8, 17, he took our infirmities. He took it already. He took our infirmities, bore our sicknesses. He's already purchased with his blood our healing. Satan's got no right to keep any of us sick or bound by pain. So what do we do? We need to engage the enemy, take out the truth of God's word, get in faith about it, and take hold of what already belongs to what God has already given us through Jesus Christ. It's not trying to get God to give it. It's, it's just taking hold of what God has already given us through Jesus Christ. The adversary is not God. The adversary is the devil. He wants to keep these things in darkness. He wants to keep the blessings of God in darkness. But I love this promise that God made through Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 3. He said, I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. You know what the Bible says? 2 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 9. It says, Jesus became poor that you might be made rich. And 2 Peter chapter 1 says, he has already given to you all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's already given you everything that you need in life. See, but where is it? See, it's still being hidden in darkness. It's still being hidden under the powers of darkness. They're the ones trying to keep us from all the blessings. But as we learn the word and understand what belongs to us, then we just take the word of God and just go in there. And we possess what is already ours. I will give you the treasures of darkness. That's exactly 
what Jesus came and did. He fulfilled that scripture. He came, he defeated the powers of darkness and has given us all the treasures that are in the darkness, all the blessings that are hidden in darkness. Jesus has already provided it for us. You just got to go in there and take it. And you know what's really good? The devil's defeated. Stop watching horror flicks. There's such a lie. You know what a real horror flick, a real honest-to-goodness horror flick looks like? It's the church. <laughs> and instead of having these, you know, you got this monster, right? You got this, this beast, this monster, you know. And you got these poor little frail humans running and hiding from the monster, the demon-possessed monster. It's the other way around, guys. It's the church walking through life with a sword in their hand, two-edged sword, walking through this life and demons, monsters. Oh, I mean, just scare the hell out of them. Right? Just scare them right out of, I mean, right to hell, you know. I mean, they want to jump in hell when they see you. Well, that's how it was when Jesus showed up, right? Jesus showed up, and the demons said, what have we to do with you? They cried at it. You know, the demon possessed me. What have we to do with you, Jesus? Have you come to torment us? You know what my answer is? Yes. (laughs) Why? For fun. Because I get to. See, that's, you got to get this thing turned around. You sit there and watch horror flicks and you listen to a bunch of fake news and you get all this negativity and it makes evil look so strong and powerful and all the human race is just a bunch of victims to the big bad bullies, the big bad devil. Now, i got news for you. According to the scriptures, the devil's under our feet. And Jesus did not say, and I've given you authority to box with the devil. That's not what he said. He didn't say, I give you authority to box with the devil. Luke chapter 10, he said, I give you authority to tread upon. Tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by enemy. If you understand your authority, nothing shall by any mean harm you. It won't harm you if you understand your authority in the name of Jesus. We trample on these things, see? These things are already disarmed, defeated, and laid at our feet. Now we just got to trample on them. But you got to do it. You got to do it. You got to get to trampling. Get your, get your combat boots on. Yeah, put your combat boots on, ladies. Grandma, put your boots on. It's time to go to battle. Come on, somebody. It's time to fight the good fight of faith. Can you say amen? Amen. Oh, hallelujah. The Bible says in Matthew 11, verse 12, these are the words of Jesus. He said, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. How do you believe the kingdom of heaven is something to be laid hold of? Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, And who takes it? Who takes it? The violent. The violent. Well, who who are they? It's faith. Because faith fights. It wages war. That's a violent thing. 
Right? We're talking about war. We're talking about fighting. We're, we're, we're talking about a violent thing. So guess what? Christianity is violence. It's violent. This is a violent life that we're living. We're violent. Violently energetic. We're intense about taking. Taking the kingdom of heaven. Again, that's faith. That's what faith does. Because faith takes. The word receive and the word take can be used interchangeably when talking about faith. You, look, you can look it up for yourself. But Jesus said, when he said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. That's what he said. Believe you receive them. This is what faith does. Believe you receive them and you will have them. That word receive can be translated take. Believe that you take them. Take them. How are you going to take them? I'm going to take them by faith. We'll get more specific. Violent faith. Violent. See, we've got to get violent about it. You've got to get violent about it. You know, you just, if you th- go back, let's go back to boxing for a minute. We do trample on the devil. But just think about boxing for a second. Two boxers get in the ring. And they both need to be violent. They can't, no, the, if one goes in there and he's just kind of passive, he's going, to get, he's going to get whipped. Or you could just, you think about football, any kind of real physical contact sport. They got to get, they got to get intense. They got to out-violence their opponent if they're going to win. Friend, you and I have to out-violence our adversary. We got to wage war. We got to fight the good fight of faith. We got to have violent faith and be determined to take. Not just hang on to what we got. No, 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 no. We're going to get more. Well, I'm happy if I, listen, all I need is a little puppy and a nice picket fence and, and just, I don't, it don't take much for me to make me happy. It ain't about making you happy. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about advancing God's agenda. You're here on a mission from God. We're not here just about making ourselves happy. And besides, that'll never bring happy, happy, and happiness that is fulfilling. It'll never bring a happiness that's fulfilling if you're just living for yourself. That leaves you so empty. You're happy externally, but inside you're empty. I don't want to be empty on the inside. You know. And I just got to find the next thrill, the next thrill for the outside, right? I need another thrill. I need another thrill. I need another thrill. I need another thrill. Keep my outside happy because my inside, I don't even want to be aware of it. I don't even want to be aware of it. You know, there's people, it's the craziest thing, but there's people, it's very real. They have all this internal pain and they actually cut themselves to get their mind off the inner emotional pain, the inner inner pain on the inside and they're called cutters. I've got a name for it. They call them cutters. It's like, that's how common it is. They actually have a name and they'll cut themselves to defer the pain from the inside to the outside. They want to get their mind off that pain. I mean, that's pretty serious stuff. That's some serious pain on the inside. But there's, there's all kinds of people that have all kinds of pain or just emptiness, just flat out emptiness on the inside. And they just keep trying to, they just keep trying to cover it and band-aid it and no, 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 listen, we want to live fulfilled lives. Come on, somebody. We want to live fulfilled lives. And fulfilling, living a fulfilling life is living the faith life. 
which is a life trusted in God and fighting the Lord's battles. Fighting for the kingdom of God. Fighting to, fighting to advance His purposes. And we're passionate about it. We're intense about fighting for His purposes, for His kingdom. We want to take everything that Jesus came and bought with His blood for us. We want to take it all. Otherwise, He took it in vain. He took all the pain in vain. He suffered in vain. He got all those things for us in vain. We can't let that be. We can't let that be. We've got to rise up and take it. And, and I, we talked about last time how King David was that kind of man. I mean, he was always aggressive about fighting the Lord's battles to fight to advance God's kingdom in the earth, to cause God's people to be able to prosper and take more and more territory. He was passionate about it. He was a warrior. But the day came where David cooled off. He cooled off. And just begin to think, well, you know, I don't have to go out to fight. I don't have to go out into this battle. You know, I got other people that can go fight that fight for me. And the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse 1, it says in the spring of the year, David got spring fever. In the spring of the year, when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and the army to go out against the people of Ammon. And to fight against them. And he stayed at home. And he, you see, he lost his fight. Because he got satisfied. He got satisfied with his life. But it was never about your life, David. It was always about Jehovah. It was always about the Lord. It was always about the kingdom of God. He got his eyes on himself. And he cooled off. And when he cooled off, and he no longer entered into warfare against the enemy, he had an affair. I said, when he no longer engaged the enemy in warfare, he had an affair with a woman by the name of Bathsheba. And it caused all kinds of curses and problems. Satan was able to bring all kinds of problems into David's life because of this. Why? He cooled off. What's the lesson here? The lesson here is that if we're not going to engage in warfare, then we're going to have an affair with the world. And you and I are not to love the world. We're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not the world, not the things in the world. Right? As he said, 1 John, 1 John chapter 2. Oh, hallelujah. I hope, this is, I hope this is getting somebody fired up. It's meant to fire you up. You know that, don't you? I'm not just talking about emotionally. I'm just about a little emotional. Oh, this is wonderful. It was great. No, no, no. I'm talking about something's happening on the inside of you. There's things you're going to deal with. There's things you're going you're gonna to step it up. You're going to really get on the attack. You're going to be the aggressor. You're going to get out there and start trampling. Start using that word of God aggressively. Man, I read my devotional today. That's like, that's like somebody being in the middle of, middle of a battle. He says, I put bullets in my gun today. <laughs> okay. Isn't it cool? Aren't you impressed? Look how many bullets I have in my gun. <laughs> then I went to church on Wednesday night, got a whole magazine. <laughs> 
Isn't that great? I mean, I've got tons of bullets. I mean, some of you have been coming to church, you know, and just, and just getting it and just getting it. Get. Some of you look like Rambo. You know, you just, just got bullets all over the place. It's just one problem. You ain't shooting anything. Except your brother once in a while. They'll teach you to sit in my chair. Right? Come on. How, much, how ridiculous that must look to the kingdom of God, you know, to the, to the spirit realm. Angels of God, you know. You got a bunch of Rambos walking around. And all they can shoot is at Margaret. Shoot at Margaret and the kids. I had a guy just actually yesterday, I was ministering to a guy. I said, man, you need to come to church. He said, I, he said, I know, I, I, maybe I will. He said, he said, and he started telling about his dad. His dad just really laid into him and still does. Just lays into him about, about the things of God in an abusive manner. I mean, has abused these kids in the name of live right, follow God. And he's a grown man with kids of his own. And he says, you know, I was talking to my dad the other day and he's just going off on me. I said, dad, you know, you're driving me away from the things of God. His dad's just attacking him. His dad's like Rambo, you know, but he's just shooting his own family. That's the problem. You know, the Bible says there's, there's one who speaks like the piercing of a sword. Well, modern translation, you could say there's one who speaks like the shooting of a gun. You ever hear that expression? They're shooting their mouth off. It's literal. Spiritually, a lot of folks are shooting their mouth off. And they're taking shots at people. That's why you've got to watch your tongue. Watch it! Don't let the devil get his finger on your trigger, your tongue, and start causing you to shoot your mouth off at your family, at your church, at your employer. Don't you start shooting your mouth off and start taking out people that you need to be helping, that you need to be building up. You need to be fighting against their adversary, the devil, not fighting against flesh and blood, not fighting against them, not fighting against your own family and friends and fellow soldiers. Too much friendly fire. Too many casualties through friendly fire. You know, you know what they mean by that terminology, right? You know, uh, there's a war and people shoot their own people by mistake. They call that, you know, being killed by friendly fire. Well, ain't fr- and nothing friendly about that. It's called betrayal. We're not going to be a bunch of betrayers. We're not a bunch of Judases, right? We're fighting for each other. These are serious things. We're talking about fighting. We're talking about being violent. And really what I just said there really leads to another point, that if you're not passionate for God, then you're going to be passionate for something that's against God. Because we're all passionate. We all got, we all got passions. We all, we all got fervent desires. And so either it's going to be for the flesh or it's going to be for the spirit. If it's for the spirit, it's against the devil. If it's for the flesh, it's against God. It's against his purposes. See what I'm saying? So that's how that works. So we want to make sure that our passions are in the right direction. You got passions. I don't care. I don't care about your personality. I'm just very reserved and quiet. I got you. There's a button. There's a few buttons. We know there's, We know that. You can hide it from the church. 
But we'll just ask Margaret. That's what we'll do. We'll find We know it's there. Be passionate for the Lord. Be aggressive for him so that we're not passionate against him. Fighting against the Lord. Can you say amen? amen. Now see, so again, if we're not engaged in warfare, spiritual warfare, then we're having an affair with the world. Because that's where our passions are going to be going. First John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So he's telling us that don't love, don't have a love affair with the world. Have a love affair with God. And then he tells you what the world is, what he's talking about there. He's talking about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, lusting for things, craving things. Got to have this, got to have that. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Just loving to gratify the flesh or attempting to gratify the flesh. Loving to try to gratify the flesh. He says, don't, don't live that kind of life. That's against the Father. That's against God. He goes into further detail on that in James chapter 4. James, the fourth chapter. Powerful scripture. Really wraps up everything we're saying here today. James, uh, James 4, verse 1, it says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? We're talking about wars. We're talking about waging war. We're talking about fighting the good fight of faith. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desire for pleasure that war in your members? See, there's a different war going on here. See, if we're not warring according to the Spirit, then we'll be warring according to the flesh. Yielding to the desires of the flesh. See, what's the key to living in victory over the lusts of the flesh? What's, what's the key to living in victory lust of the flesh? Go after the Spirit. Go after the things of God wholeheartedly. Pursue, go after, yield to the things of God wholeheartedly. And friend, you won't have any time for the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You don't have to think, I keep fighting, I keep fighting, I keep fighting. These temptations, these, temp- these temptations, these temptations, we're so tempted. Well, are you fighting for the Lord? Because if you're aggressively going this way, then it's going to be hard for the devil to pull you off here and pull you off over there. See, if you're not looking to the left, you're not looking to the right, and you're not just kind of wandering through life, you know, and you're set like flint, it's going to be hard for the devil to get you off track. He'll try, but it's going to be hard because you're set. You, 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 got, you got things to conquer. You got things to take by faith. You got things to lay hold of. Hallelujah. I'm going to lay hold of this life of God. How about you? I'm going to lay hold of everything Christ Jesus has laid hold of for me. I got to lay hold of it. I got to lay hold of what he's laid hold of for me. Praise God. So again, look, he says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desire for pleasure that war in your members? 
Over in Peter, he said, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. See, there's a war going on. It's either you're engaged in a flesh war to try to gratify yourself, and it's full of strife, and it's full of all kinds of ugly things, bitterness and anger and frustration and emptiness, or you're engaged in this warfare, this warfare for the kingdom of God, to see the spirit of God exalted and the kingdom of God advances. God's righteousness, his peace, his joy advanced in your soul and in the world around you. What war are you going to be in? We're all going to be in a war. Let's be in the war against the enemy and not befriending the enemy against God. And that's what he goes on to say. Verse 2, you lust and do not have. In other words, you're not fulfilled. You can't get fulfilled. No matter how much you get, you can't fulfill yourself. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. You battle. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. In other words, you don't get over and you're not, you're not getting into faith. If you just get in faith and fight for the Lord and forget about all that stuff, that stuff will be added to you. But if you keep fighting to get the stuff, it runs away from you. But if you fight to lay hold of the Lord, it runs after you. Isn't that good news? Verse 3, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Now watch this. Adulterers and adulteresses. Talking about having an affair with the world when you're not engaged in the Lord's warfare. Be engaged in the Lord's warfare and you won't be having an affair with the world. He says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Perfect mutual hatred. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit of God dwells in us, the spirit of God who dwells in us yearns jealously. God is jealous for our affections. Think about it. Isn't that amazing? That God would be jealous for your affections. It's like, you got to be kidding me. Me, Lord? I mean, you're God. You're massive. Right? I mean, he's God. And he's jealous for me. That's pretty amazing. How many people know jealousy can get pretty hot? Right? It can get pretty intense. What are you looking at? Why are, you, why are you over there? Why are you talking to them? Why are you doing that? Has anybody ever experienced jealousy? For, for everybody? One hand, we've got two hands going up, that couple in the back there. They, they've experienced jealousy. God's jealous. He's jealous for us. He yearns with jealousy on the inside. Let's not put him through that mess. Verse 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, watch this, submit to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What's that word resist mean? Set oneself against, oppose. Set yourself, not against God, by being a friend of the world, but set yourself against the devil, oppose him, and watch what the coward does. He flees. And when you look that up in the Amplified Bible, it says, flees as in terror. Ooh, hallelujah. All you got to do is oppose him, bless God, and he'll flee as in terror when he knows you're serious. Not this little half-baked faith that rises up and goes, devil, in the name of Jesus, you take your hands off my body. 
Ow! It's still there. You got to have a determination. <laughs> Say, devil, are you kidding me? I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've done it. I said, devil, do you understand? The Bible says he who touches me touches the pupil of God's eye. You've poked God in the eye. You're in big trouble. If I be a man of God, let fire come out of heaven and consume you right now. It is written, by whose stripes you were healed. Some of you are not catching this at all. I'm trying to be as dramatic as I can to like get this. And some of you are like, what's he doing? What's all these hand motions? I don't, I don't understand any of this. What's happening? She, what is that? She, she, what did he mean by that? Margaret, what do you mean? She, I didn't, I didn't understand. That's a sword coming out of its sheath. She. Sword being penetrated through demons. You don't have to explain everything. So you... Let's get this. Are you getting this? I'm telling you, man, we need to rise up. Fight. Engage the enemy. And wage a good warfare so that we're not involved in some fleshly warfare where our soul is being pulled into all kinds of bad directions, being tempted by everything, and we just walk around in confusion and our members are screaming for every ungodly thing. Come on, somebody. You want that war? That's a mess of a war that you don't win. It's a bad war. It's a bad war. It's a loser war. Let's wage the good war. I said, let's wage the good warfare. Prayers, God. And we know when we engage in this warfare, hallelujah, the Lord is with us and we always triumph and we always win. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Come on, stand on your feet like a soldier, man. Give a shout that this releases grenades into the realm of the spirit, man. Woo, hallelujah. Praise God. We need to drop some praise bombs. Hallelujah. Praise God. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle. Praise God. Throw some grenades. Drop some bombs. When you're praising God, man, it does stuff like that. That's why you see that. I mean, I might just make it up. Revelations chapter 4. What's around the throne? People praising God, praising. And what else is there? Thunder. Lightning. In other words, explosions. Ba-boom, boom. Ba-boom. They're praising God, and there's explosions going off. When we praise God, explosions are going off in the spirit realm. Can you say amen? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I'm not going to explain that one to you. But I'll, 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 do, I'll do it one more time for the spiritually impaired. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.